1: The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Hello and welcome to The Outer Sanctum for another week. My name is Emma Race and I'm flying solo today, not joined by my football-loving feminist folk or Sanctum sisters. Instead, I am offering you the first in a four-part series with the coaches of the new AFLW teams that will be joining the competition in Season 7. It has been such a joy to see all of these teams coming together and we thought what better way to get to know the teams and the coaches and get the general. General mood and attitude of these new teams that will be joining the comp. I guess it's going to round out the way we look at the competition and it's going to round out everyone's opportunity to be able to get involved and get invested. It gave me such great pleasure to catch up with the coach of the Hawthorne Football Club. I give you Miss Rebecca Goddard. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of St. Dan podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the
0: AFL. In for the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by
1: blue jumpers. Groundbreakers! History makers. One of the massive wins for football was the appointment of Bet Goddard to the role of senior coach at Hawthorne. Even folks who hate Hawthorne agree on that. The Hawks had a coach before they had an AFLW licence and I'm thrilled to have this chance to catch up with the inaugural AFLW Premiership winning coach who makes press conferences fun and human. She's a lover of dogs and, of quoting John Farnham, welcome to the Outer Sanctum, Rebecca Goddard. How are you? Oh,
0: thank you. I am a lover of dogs. In fact, I've just... Um been out for Brecky this morning with chatty Cathy McCarthy and, and her two sausage dogs. We had a great time.
1: Great. And the dogs are part of the um, recruiting process.
0: <laughs> they are. You know, when Tilly Lucas Rod and I first met, you know, we, we got to talk dogs because I've got my chocolate Labrador Howard, as, as listeners might have heard over the years. And it turns out Tilly's got a chocolate Labrador too. So it's almost like a prerequisite. If you come to Hawthorne, you've got to have a dog ready that we can strike gold because they're already brown when we win premierships.
1: I love it. I'm looking forward to that moment. I I mean, I know a lot about you, and you have been a fan favourite on the Outer Sanctum for the last eight years. But um, can you talk us through your history with Hawthorne? and what your relationship is with Hawthorne prior to getting here to become the coach.
0: I was raised, I, I came out of the womb brown and gold, uh, Hawthorne supporter. Mum supports Hawthorne. And um, so I just grew up in that manner. And I love Hawthorne so much. I named my firstborn Beagle Crawford. You know, even even out at here at Bunjil Begora, I came out here for, for a game when I was a kid and we lost the car in the car park for a couple of hours back back in the day. I'm sure you've got memories at, what was it, was it called? VFL Park or something like that? I
1: If you didn't
0: lose your car, you never really went there. Yeah, we lost the the car. And back then they didn't have the bippers to light up. So we literally just kept walking around the car park for hours trying to find the green Commodore.
1: (laughs) I think I saw you. I think I saw you. <laughs> yeah. Waved at you. <laughs> we were looking for a silver fairlane. So you've always been Hawthorne and your family's Hawthorne. So how does this moment how does this moment weigh on you? Does it weigh on you differently because of that? Oh
0: look, Dad's not Hawthorne, Dad's Collingwood. Let's not get too excited. So we were a family divided, my brother and, and dad were Collingwood and, and now mum and I Hawthorne. No, Dad is very uh, dad will dad gets on board with wherever I'm coaching and um, in fact he, he re- most recently asked me for a Hawthorne knit for himself to wear in the winter months. So I look forward to getting him in one of those, but he's very specific. It's only for the women's team. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is specific. Well, I don't mind that if that's the way that you get people into the brown and gold. I think that's fine. But does it feel different for you? Does it feel like a bigger responsibility because you have that love for the club?
0: Yeah, I, I think since I've been here, as the time's gone by, I've, I've started to forget I was a fan a little bit. I mean, I, I love the club and group but I just I'm viewing it through a different lens now like from a from a working lens so I think absolutely earlier in the season when I was in the box with Sam for the Easter Monday clash against Geelong I really had to sit there and go hang on I'm here today in a coaching capacity in the coaching box not as someone that would normally be sitting in the outer on Easter Monday hoping that Hawthorne wins that was the first time I was like oh you know I had to keep control of the little noises that you sometimes make when the game's going on and (laughs) You know, well, I live. You live through the what? What they call it? The Kennet Curse. All the times at Geelong. I think it was thirteen in a row. Easter Mondays, whatever it was. Every time we played Geelong, Hawthorne didn't win. And you know, just monitor that professional capacity. I think it's good to be able to remember when you're working and and when you're a fan.
1: It is. There's there must be something as well about that big lanyard energy when you're at the game and you're actually. <laughs> You're actually an official in this game, and it's taken a while for you to get back to this point. And I think, I mean, obviously, we've talked about that for a really long time. I'm interested in you sharing how this appointment was made because you were through the door at Hawthorne before we even we. I'm just weeing myself here. <laughs> before the we, we that's license.
0: okay. I never thought I'd, I'd actually end up back in footy. I was pretty pretty dejected I suppose in the in the years following on from finishing up at Adelaide that I just didn't feel there was a full-time opportunity for women to, to coach at the highest level in the sport and just had to almost try to put football just as something that had happened in the past, a, a hobby I really enjoyed. As time went on and I got some really good advice from some great mentors you know, another podcast that you have on, Michelle Cowan, a great friend of mine and just that, that constant push to to get me back into coaching, and I was working over in Cambodia with the Australian Federal Police, and um, I got a phone call from from Hawthorn asking if I would consider talking to them about their vacant VFLW coach after Paddy Patty Hill finished up at the club. And I, it wasn't really where I wanted to be. I didn't I didn't want to um, come back into VFLW level, um, but it was. Just I think the right time and the right place and I agreed to have the meeting and Rob McCartney and Dan Napoli pitched to me on a Zoom call about why Hawthorne was the right place for me rather than me pitching to them about why I was right for them, which was pretty cool to start with. And then we went from there with a a few more meetings and eventually I I presented about why I think I would be a good fit for the club and it was their bigger vision for me. It wasn't VFLW, it wasn't AFLW, it was just as a coach Getting into the club as a coach and um, and how Hawthorne values women and that was that was really what sold me. It wasn't uh, any position. It was it was the value as a woman in coaching. And so I came back from Co- Cambodia and, and moved to Melbourne and and got underway with the VFLW. COVID hit, season deleted. Next one on, and here we are, a few seasons later now, and um, back in AFLW
1: full time in footy as well. Is this? the first moment that you are full-time in footy and how does that change your life and how does it change the output that you can can kind of commit to this?
0: Well it was a really big decision I think I've I've been a a member of the Australian Federal Police for 20 years so to to resign from that role to take a full-time job in footy wasn't a decision that that happened overnight it was I really had to think about where I sat in my career and what value, you know, I was to the footy club. Like, was there going to be a career progression? Was it, like, what, what did it all look like? And I got back to, you know, why I, I love coaching and, and, and why I'm here in the first place and, um, you know, a real reflection of your philosophy, which is, I'm here because I get to create connections with what really matters at the heart of that and that's family um, and being part of something really special and being valued as as a woman that can contribute to the sport at the highest level. And so in the end once I made the decision, it was was very easy. I felt like a huge weight was off my shoulder and here I am with my first chance full-time in the sport. It's great. I actually feel like I'm busier now than I was when I had two jobs. Yeah, you know, when I was coaching footy and trying to be a police officer. And I don't know how that happened, but what it does give me is that ability to go and catch up with uh, players, you know, for brekkie outside of training, or meet them when it suits them because they're not full time, and build you know further connections to to what you already have outside, and, and make the program the best as possible for them.
1: You're not alone going into this season seven. You're not the only woman coach in the AFLW, which is. You know, it's a big milestone.
0: Does do you? How do you feel about that? Uh, it's about time. We need more, and we need more too. Um, you know, Natalie Wood and Lauren Arnell are, are great coaches, and they're they're overdue in their time. So I'm I'm great. It's great to see uh, some more women in the in the ranks, and you know. Um, Woody and I certainly are in contact um, a lot because we're we're both in Melbourne and it makes it easier to talk about things and uh, Lauren and I certainly spoke when she she got the job at Port Adelaide, especially, you know, coming from Adelaide, I know how crazy South Australians are about their their footy and I I hope she just has a really long and successful career.
1: So you're talking about the connections that you're making with the players and the ability to go out and have breakfast with the sausage dogs. You've had a (laughs) couple of training sessions now. What are you looking for at this point? Like, you know, in terms of building... Building community and family, which I know are really important pillars to you, is that what you're looking for in these early stages, or is there just enough run-up time that you're actually right now already training for first game? Ah,
0: uh, there's a there's a few few parts to it, but I suppose that at the base of it for for us is having gold standards. So we talk a lot about our gold standards, and that being the corner of the of the house and Hawthorne, we, you know, there's brown and gold. Everybody's got a little bit of brown in them but mostly we want to try and have gold I think and so we've been really focused on on that that base of the house and letting the players have their own creativity within a broad game plan um, and empower the athletes to have decisions on the field without being too prescriptive about where they should be kicking in and where they where they shouldn't all of those things sort of happen over time so I, I got to to catch up with them a lot of induction, tell them how I'd love us to play and what I think excite will excite the crowd to our Hawthorne fans to, to come and be a part of. Uh, but then I told them that, that they could create within that. And so that's what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is that connection and seeing how they all kick and how they connect with each other and getting them comfortable with that. So when the draftees come in 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 another week's time, they feel very confident about their relationships already and can bring them into to what our plan is.
1: What are some of the things that fans should be excited about looking at this
0: group? Goals. (laughs) Goals.
1: Let's kick goals. Yeah, goals are pretty fun.
0: yeah, you know, it would be really ferocious and offensive in the way that we play footy, like offensive like in, in attacking and also I want to offend the opposition. Like why can't we come and watch a Hawthorne game and, um, you know, really enjoy it. Um, I, we want to put on a show. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Mel Jones, and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum.
1: When you think about your experience at Adelaide and, and even in basketball in the time that you weren't coaching in footy, what have you brought with you or what have you left behind into this experience or is the whole thing new?
0: Yeah, what I've left behind is some um, self-doubt. When I was coaching in Adelaide, I, rightly or wrongly, I always felt like I was being watched more closely than my male counterparts. And whether that was real or not, I, I still don't know, but I, I needed to let that go um, and realise that I belong and I can coach football. And so that's certainly something that I've I've left behind now and I feel a lot more confident, confident with. Coming in, listening to feedback and hearing it in the way that it that it that it's intended, you know, there's there's so many ways to listen, to give and to, to receive feedback. But going to another sport and seeing how elite athletes do it in the WNBL, you know, remarkable athletes like Mariana Tolo and Leilani Mitchell, Kelsey Griffin, like they're they're extraordinary players and how they just quickly just give, receive feedback in an elite environment and get on with it and hear it from the coach was uh, really impressive. So it's something I took with me as well as operating under clock pressure like they operate under clock pressure in basketball the whole time. There's a shot clock going the whole time. So it's something we've implemented at our trainings is that we've always got the scoreboard clock running at Box Hill at the moment. Um, So all of our drills are under time pressure to get as many kicks in to get our training done in the amount of time that we've got so we can get the girls out of there.
1: Talking about time pressure, I had this moment when I'm, you know, maybe booking something online, tickets for a show or something, or buying something, and it has that countdown clock of how much time you've got until that leaves the basket. That fills me with fear but when I think about draft night I'm like holy hell (laughs) that is a shopping experience (laughs) on the clock being televised people's lives your team it's all on the line how do how are you preparing for the draft
0: we've actually got training on draft night so (laughs) the first thing I've had to do this week is work out what we're how we're going to train because obviously I won't be there We've had a lot of meetings and we've been looking at a lot of talent over the last, you know, 12 months and working out where we want to be and we're we're really confident with our draft hand. We know that we've got seven seven picks inside the first 13 in Victoria. Our focus is going to be on picking the best talent in that draft to complement the really exciting group of players that we've, we've got here already.
1: So when you, I mean, obviously putting the list together has been a challenge because we've got four teams all coming at the same time. People are, are moving a lot. You know, I know Isabel Huntington moving to GWS was a big shock for a lot of people. And then even overnight, I've seen um, potential number one draft pick nominate or say that they're going to nominate for, for a New South Wales team it's a really interesting concept that you can sit and kind of plan what you want your team to look like but then at the end of the day it's a bit of a grab like you've kind of got to take what you can get when you can get it how much have you had to just reassess on the fly and how do those meetings roll out is that you and list managers or is that you by yourself or is that you and leadership group
0: uh you know it's it's list managers and and look I'll say from the outset here ultimately the decision that that montana has made is you know that's one for her and her family and we know what we're dealing with here like the the aflw draft is a state-based system it it always has been but it, it probably the way the system is set up it probably allows some clubs to play a more active role in recruiting rather than being a part of the draft because there are clubs outside of victoria and and I think when I think about it, I think about 17 year old girls, 18 year old girls with the season moved, currently in the middle of year 12. It's a really, really stressful time. Um, and making these huge life decisions to go and live in a state on a part time wage. You know, I think as the league becomes more professional, the prospect of a national draft and that nomination process be, needs to be looked at. I just think that the way that it's currently set up is. Is, is putting a lot of pressure on young girls. And some they haven't even lived out of home. They're still living, some of them living with mum and dad and they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders. Like it's a big decision at 25. It's a big decision at 30, let alone, you know, right now when they haven't been in an AFL system and knowing what's in front of them. So I hope they're getting the, the best advice from the right people and, and doing what's right for them.
1: When we talk about footy on the Outer Sanctum, it's impossible for us to go past superstitions and I don't think the team would allow me (laughs) to get out of this without some scathing review. If I didn't ask you about game day superstitions for you, and do they change and have you got new ones?
0: As a coach, you don't want to infect your team with superstition, (laughs) Um, but there's one that occurred this week at training. As a matter of fact, I I had a birthday last week. I turned I'll tell the listeners, I don't mind, Um, confide in them. I turned 44. My playing number when I played and my dad's playing number is number 22. At Hawthorne, I have a a locker here with the number 22 on it. When we got our cotton on AFLW deliveries uh, last week with our training kit, the colours were blue and gold, which are the colours of Canberra, ACT football jumpers. And as one of the girls quite rightly pointed out to me, and also, Beck, we're in 2022. We already feel like we've got it's some a certain, superstition it's a certain heading out. That's what yeah. I'm it's a certain yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we're hearing it, you know. So so this, everything's pointing point coming up hawks at the moment.
1: Everything's coming up brown and gold. Finally, I'm going to let you go because you've got busy work to do, and I don't want to keep you from that. But um what would be your kind of call to action for AFLW fans? The fans have had to move their priorities and their plans as well. It's been it, it's been a kind of tough journey, I've got to say, for an AFLW fan. I know that we talk about players a lot, but for fans, and that's what we care about in the outer, it's been, you know, at times we have felt unheard. <laughs> We've had to pick teams that haven't traditionally been in our blood and our DNA, and now everyone gets that opportunity. What would be your hope? for fans
0: coming up in this season. Well, like the players, resilience is the message, I think. Um and you're right, like it, it's been hard. like when is the season each year? It's always a bit of a mystery, isn't it? Um where and, are we going to play? And now this year, exactly where we're going to play? But I I think what's going to happen this year is, you know, the first few rounds we're going to play on some fantastic stadiums um once we get into men's finals too and I, I would just love to have like opening round round one for us vs and then marvel stadium forty thousand people like i would just love that especially you know when we've got some low numbers in the men's footy at the moment like what what an amazing statement from aflw fans we come from a place of inclusion aflw fans and now we've got all of our teams included get back to your og team is my advice.
1: Oh, I feel like that is code for Emma needs to break up with Carlton. Look, it's going to be a trial separation. That was such a great chat with Beck, and I'm always so excited about what she can bring to football. I think her call to action that we all get invested and in, in supporting The clubs that we've always known and love is a really good one, but I think it's going to be really, really hard to um, turn my blinkers off for these other clubs and other players that I've grown to love and I actually think that that is also the beauty of AFLW. There was a lot that happened in footy this week. I've got to say before we sign off that it has thrilled me to see that in a landscape where usually we would be doing the talking on issues surrounding Jordan DeGoei, and I guess even issues around trans uh, athletes in sport that other people are picking up the mantle and they're having those conversations and I've heard many of those people have conversations in a respectful way I think for now it is time for me to get out of here next week you'll be joined by another sanctum sibling with another coach but for now I will just say go footy